When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Really? No, really? Really? No, really? Hello, this is Really No Really with Jason Alexander and Peter Tilden. Two fascinating guys who welcome you and really hope you will listen and subscribe. In this episode, we'll introduce you to New York City's newest form of tourism, rat tourism. And no, that's not some cute acronym. We're talking rats. You'll meet America's leading rodentologist and learn what's needed to get rid of infestations in New York and a city near you. So I was recently in New York for the summer uh, directing a Broadway show. And I lived in New York for 10 years and I've been away for, I haven't lived in New York for the better part of 30 years. But I will tell you, anecdotally, the rat problem in New York City has grown exponentially. And my understanding is it has grown exponentially in most of the major cities in our country. But New York, being an innovator, (laughs) this was the really no really. The rat problem is so bad that there is now rat tourism. Because they in New take, York, yeah. they take advantage of everything. <laughs> yeah, they eat the whole animal. They, they take you on a tour to see the worst rat-infested areas where the rats are. Really? These got to be people <laughs> from like the Midwest who don't have infestation. Yeah. Uh, I could, after you do the Seinfeld reality tour, <laughs> the, the wall that's left. The rodent tour. So the we, rodent tour. We wanted to get on because of the really, you know, really the foremost expert on rodents. And this guy... If you look him up, man, it jumps out. Shall, at I, shall I give you the MO? Give it. Dr. Robert Corrigan is a renowned rodentologist. We didn't friend. even know. Did, did you have any idea that even a rodentologist? No, I would have said a rat guy. Yeah, rodentologist. A rat guy. A rodentologist. Okay. He's consulted on rodent populations and infestations across the country. He was inducted into the Pest Management Professional Hall of Fame in now, 2008. Now, that is a Hall of Fame <laughs> that I hope. We got to find out where that is, yeah. how much they charge, what's the ticket? And, what's, yeah, right. and, and what do you get to see? <laughs> right. What's inside And there? is there a lunchroom? Yeah, <laughs> and a gift shop. He was a co-founder of the Scientific Coalition of Pest Exclusion, which focuses on pest exclusion. We'll find out what that is in urban areas. He is the principal instructor for the New York City Department of Health's Rolling Control Academy. Can you imagine? An academy. 
Peter. And in 2017, Dr. Corrigan earned the Excellence in Integrated Pest Management Award at Cornell University. All to say, this man knows his rats. He knows but, his rats. And you say must... hello to Dr. Robert Corrigan. How Welcome, are you, sir? Hello, you guys. How are you doing? I you expected to see, if you're watching on YouTube, I expected to see a whole room with cages and, and you know, pestilence and lab, all kinds of things. Nothing. Yeah. No, sorry to disappoint. I have a little bit of that, but not much. Uh, well, that's because right. the family said it goes in the garage. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Look at him; he's laughing. Don't he's bring right. your the wife open. went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not putting. Oh, you're not putting that in the house. So I got. I laughed because I'm from Philadelphia, and uh, we have a rodent problem there. And I saw that you were hired for the Pope's visit. So I just and Rachel and I were talking about it. And I thought, so is that like? Yeah, okay, guys, I'm going to need a budget for cheese because we got to get them out of the parade route. You can't eradicate them in time, so you just move them out to a different place. And tell and them I'm, I'm assuming the Catholic rats are going, what, what, yeah, what do you what, mean get out of here? What do you mean get out of here? The I've been waiting here for months to get to be first in line. So I, I want to know how you move them out and all that, but amazingly, you, you are the guy. You've traveled the entire world to do this, and you will start with, did you really live in a barn with rats for some time to just get used to what that's like? Yeah, yes, I did in graduate school, and it's the way I got kind of into this. But um, my mentor said, if you really want to get to know an animal, you got to embed yourself with those animals. So um, whether it's <laughs> whales, swimming with the whales, or living with rats. So I moved into some barns in Indiana outside of Purdue University and uh, just literally slept on the floor with the rats and lived each weekend. When they were up, I was up. When they were sleeping, I was sleeping. So it was. I have to tell you guys, it was actually pretty darn exciting. All right. All oh, right. Wait, I, I got to already. My mind is just really people <laughs> generally don't sleep on the floor with rats. I would imagine the reason being we don't want to be crawled on. We don't want to be bitten. Were you crawled on or bitten? I was crawled on a few times, never bitten, Jason. You know, these animals actually, they're not aggressive towards humans unless we're aggressive towards them. Uh -huh. So, and after a while, they got to know me. I was there. They became familiar with me. I was the one giving them some really good tidbits of food. So we developed a relationship, but being on the floor, I had to be at their level. So, you know, it, it was pretty cool. So we're talking, we're talking to Willard. You understand? It's unbelievable. You know, just, I'll jump to this because... <laughs> And I'm sure you know this if you're the rat guy. In L.A., there was a house in Pacific Palisades where two sisters loved animals. And when they got older, they got a bit infirm, couldn't take care of dogs or cats. So they started doing rats, feeding them. Neighbors saw the rodents coming in and out. When the hazmat crew finally got access to their house, they were living with, they figured, approximately 2,500 rats at any given time. They had to carry out carcasses of rats. But they fed them, and they lived with these rats. What you just said makes it a little more um, plausible that the rats didn't bother them. It didn't crawl all over them. Didn't I mean, but that's an infestation. That's insane. You know, Peter, as long as they have food, they're happy. But take away the food, they get pretty aggressive on each other, and they act crazy. They have a very low tolerance of being hungry. So once they get hungry, um, all bets are off as to how they'll interact with us. So, so based on that, can I throw out a couple things to Jason and you say right or wrong about rats, just so we can sure. get, for the audience listening, they can get an education in rats right away and then we can get into depth. Okay. 
Do you think I will know these things? I, I don't I know, but it's fascinating. So, and right. I, I, get, I can't believe I know these. Ready? Okay. A rat can jump approximately four or five feet. Absolutely. Doctor? True. I saw a rat. Do you know how I know that? A rat in my backyard leapt from the ground onto the shoulder of our housekeeper. Oh, no. <laughs> who is about, you know, five and a half feet. And she, <laughs> after she got out of Cedar Sinai, she, <laughs> she said that wow. was a five-foot leap. All right, rodents, rats can go longer without water than camels. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to answer yet. I'll let you answer, Jason. I, I, well, I'm he posed it as such a ridiculous question. It has to be yes. It must be a yes. You know, I've seen that, and I'm not sure that's true, you know, to compare them to the camels. So we're going to have to leave that one undecided till proven. What did your research say, Peter? Did they yes, say it was yes, a yes, 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 yes. Okay. Uh, rodents can actually swim up pipes into your toilet. Oh, there was just a story the other day in, was I couldn't be the New York Times, but I just read a story the other day where somebody said, I had read about this kind of thing, I didn't think it was possible, and the rat came right up in her toilet, and she now keeps a, uh, a weight on the toilet lid. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, they Doctor? do do that, right? Absolutely true, and I've been involved in those cases where, you know, people, they, they're pretty upset, they're middle of the night, they go to use the toilet, they sit down in the darkness on a toilet, and there's a rat trying to get up below them, you can imagine, Ugh. you know, and so that'll, that'll get your attention pretty quick, but it's very, very true, and it's not all of that uncommon, it's not that uncommon. Good night, drive safely, everybody. <laughs> I have to say, I'm 64, it is, I have not. Come, come into although, that although this may go hand in hand with that, yeah, or snout and button that, rodents have very good memories. Rats have very good memories. They have very good memories. That I know. Doctor, very true. They have great memories, and they can play things backwards after they've done it once in their brains, and so they they can do things incredible memory. Yeah. So if a rodent comes up into your butt, it will remember that. It may not come <laughs> up again. Going, you know what? We'll both remember. <laughs> but rodents also. In, in, how do I put this in a nice way? They also eat just about anything that floats by. So they will eat feces, they'll eat stuff when they get hungry, correct? Yes, but they do prefer good, fresh, nutritious food. So, you know, if uh, they had a choice to be some, something floating by that was put into the sewer for the reasons we know, versus a piece of chicken floating by, they'll pick the chicken. All right. Mm. A rodent can unhitch its scalp and get into a, a hole the size of a quarter. Wait, wait, wait. They can, un can, can unhinge the plates in their scalp uh -huh. and squeeze into a space. I know that they can squeeze into incredibly small spaces. I didn't know about this, the, the skull. Is that, Is that correct? Uh, that's a half truth, you guys. Uh, you know, they can squeeze into sizes about the size of a quarter, but they can't unhinge. It's all about the height of that skull. So the skull measures about, you know, the size of a quarter. And once the skull gets through, they can do the limbo. And they, it is the limbo by the time they get through that hole. They're wiggling like crazy and turning around. Oof. But they can't unhinge anything. They have a skeleton just like us. So if you hear the dun 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 they're limboing. <laughs> that's, that's the giveaway that he's coming. Um, now, I'm not, sure, I'm not it's sure. Not the, the limbo, the That's limbo. not even a limbo song. <laughs> I always thought it was. Uh, what's a limbo song? Uh, I, go with Dale or something dun, like that dun, if you want. But. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, so yeah. if you hear, uh, what's it called? If you hear a steel drum. Steel drum music. Yeah, you know, the drum, so is it true, Jason, that rodents have to gnaw or their teeth will continue to that grow? That is what I've always heard. Is that true? Uh, Not true at all. You can give them nothing but bananas to eat, you know, and that's all they have. But they keep those teeth. They do have to file them down, right? If they don't keep them filed down, they will curl around and go right through their skull and pop out the top. 
we had a guinea pig. So Peter knows this. My son had a guinea pig. <laughs> that's that's what happened to the guinea pig. We it was a ten dollar guinea pig that I spent three thousand dollars on <laughs> for a dental surgery, and it and it didn't make it. I go to Jason's I, house. I got to go to the bathroom. He goes, "Don't go in there. That's a it's a hospital ward." I go, "What do you mean? They got tents. They got people coming in and out. They got a light. They're holding the thing's paw. I hope he makes it." Meanwhile, I go. How long is this supposed yeah. to live if it's healthy? Oh my God! Yeah, no, that was a that was a very. I remember investment. the outlay for. And what's great is your son wanted it so bad, and then it was like, yeah, yeah. Oh well, once he realized they're not that much fun. <laughs> <laughs> they don't cuddle. They, not they don't. They don't cuddle at all. No. Um, is it true that a rodent, a rat, can eat through concrete, metal, and just about anything? No. Well, I I know that. So here's what I I, I know they can chew through cables. So that has some steel fiber, at least. I don't know if they could eat through a, a steel beam. I've never heard. <laughs> I didn't say steel beam. I said metal. metal. I think they could probably get their way through some thin pieces of metal. I don't know about concrete. Concrete can be broken down, maybe. Do we have can the expert? They, sir? Great answer, Jason. But here's the here's the deal. They can't eat. They can't chew through cured concrete. They can't do that. Once it's cured, it's done. Uh huh. However. A lot of times concrete's put out, it's still soft. Someone put the concrete over their burrow and they will burrow through that, appearing like they've eaten through it. So they'll pop out through the concrete and thus the myth. Um, they can't gnaw through metals for the most part, unless it's a very thin aluminum, something soft, copper, they yeah. can gnaw through a puncture or copper pipe. But in general, it, it's very selective as to what's yes and what's no on how they can chew. They're very social animals, Jason, true or false, and they they have families. They stay close to where there's a food source and where their families. They don't travel far. I do know that they're very social animals because my goddaughter has had rats all her life. She loves them. She has them as pets. They are very social. They're actually very loving, as as Dr. Corrigan will no doubt tell you. They did her family clean. deny her a dog as a child? No, they have dogs too. But um, and you said now I do know that occasionally there are instances where. When the babies are born, I think it, there are times when they are eaten by by somebody in the colony. <laughs> but other than that, I think they probably do. They they are very social animals because I know they can travel in very large clusters and packs. Yes, sir. My am, am I absolutely true? I, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be your apprentice before this is done. No, I'm thinking about this. You need a job in rodentology, Jason. Absolutely. So that was a great answer. They're very social. Yeah, very social. So. I don't have the number in front of me, but it blew me away. It was the big, big oh wow, and I'm sure you have the number. Rats reproduce so quickly, like rabbits do, that one pair of rats can create within a short period of time. And the number was astronomical, and I'm sure you, you as an expert, have that number, and everyone listening now is going to pass out. Go ahead. How many rats can they produce? Well, here's, here's the thing, you guys. It's, you know, it's never the straight math. Right. So if a rat in an alleyway that's kept clean and what have you is only going to have offspring of several hundred rats. However, that same rat in a really dirty alleyway and you add up all the descendants of one female starting out after a year, you're going to end up with about 15,000 rats. So it's all dependent on food. And that's why people have to realize, listen, you control the garbage, you control the rats. And that really is when you work as a consultant, and, and are, are you currently, you're currently working, I would imagine, many major cities, but you had said before we started the interview that you're in New York City uh, almost every day. Is that the major part of what you're consulting on, is how to 
change the things that we're doing that are adding to the overpopulation of the rats? Exactly. Another great answer. It's Listen, when people have rat problems and they call me up and say, on our block, we see all these rats. And I, I always answer back and said, look, the rats have learned that your block is feeding them easily and it's good food. So it's not about getting exterminated. It's about address your garbage. That's what the whole thing is about. I didn't realize, I know, you know, it's a big deal that they have a rat czar in New York. And I looked and saw there are other rat czars. That's not the first rat czar appointed. When you consult a rat czar, are they doing that? Or are they doing it in conjunction with newer technology, with newer listening devices, robotics? What's the, what's the, the latest on rat eradication? What's working? Yeah, it's like a little of all of the above, Peter. You know, these days, um, one of the things that New York City is doing is pretty impressive is they're following the science. And the science is moving really, really fast on rat mitigation. You know, it used to be just put out some poison, you know, put out some traps and that should do it. We've been doing that for 250 years and getting no place, quite honestly. So now it's about time to bring in science. You're bringing a rat czar, and the, the rat czar has a critical position because that person gets all the people together that needs to do their share on rats, sit down at a table, agree to agree that everyone's going to have responsibility. And that's key. Getting organized through a czar, absolutely critical key. The other thing to your your word is technology. Now we have little sensors. I, I didn't bring one along, but you can hold it in your hand, the palm of your hand, and it's a little black sensor. As a rat goes by that, I get an alert on my iPhone. It tells me a rat was here at this spot at this time, time of night. And so by putting those sensors all over the area, you can get population dynamics. Once you get the population dynamics, you can get organized as to where is our war zone. And that's what it takes. You need a war room to get rid of this issue. And is walking around New York, the thing that I've always seen that I went, of course there's rats, is the piles of the, the plastic garbage bags that they put out on curbside for the garbage collection. And I've always thought, well, a rat is chewing right through that. That, that. that is just a buffet. So is part of the new approach to change how we place garbage on the streets in the cities? You know, um, one of the biggest things to come around New York City and rats for a long time, this new mayor, Mayor Adams, said, you know, I hate rats. He stated that uh, right at the front end of everything. And he said, what do we do? What's the number one most important thing we do for rat control? He asked the scientists involved. Our response is, it's about the garbage. It's about the garbage. So the bags, Jason, to your question, they're critical. You have millions of these bags that have been going out year after year after year, many of them full of really delicious food where people couldn't finish their place after a restaurant meal, as we all can relate to. And yes, they're going right through that plastic. So now we have new containerization bills that are occurring in New York City under this uh, new mayor. That's going to be a giant leap forward you know, much stronger than any poison on, on earth for, against for rats. It's about no food equals no rats. Yeah, but to your point, and I read that too, that when they don't have food and water, they get crazy. That's when they start going nuts. So now you have all these people doing the right mitigation for their food. And now you got 20,000 crazy rats, rats in your neighborhood. Yeah. Not really angry rats running around. What happens? What does that look like? So whenever you take away the food, Peter, you know, it's, it's a case where they implode. They go under tremendous stress, and they're mammals just like you and I. And if you don't eat for a couple of weeks, you're going to be a whole different mammal, okay? 
And so it's a case of these animals, after a couple of days, if they don't eat, they're a whole different mammal. So they start killing each other, Oof. cannibalizing each other. As Jason mentioned earlier, they'll turn around sometimes under stress and eat every single pup that's living with them in that nest. And so these animals um, don't do well when they are hungry. The populations wow. crash. Wow. wow. That's an insane thought that they eat the pups. Mm -hmm. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So living with a rat, you were on the floor, you live with them, you studied millions of rats. What would surprise us? I mean, we know they're intelligent. We know that they're kind of like us as mammals, which is why they're used in, in so many experiments. What would blow our mind that, you, that you've um, experienced being around them so much that was a surprise even to you? They enjoy American jazz. 
<laughs> Only the Charlie Parker wing right. of that. Yeah, the yeah, other yeah. stuff, the right. experimental yeah, stuff. No, no, the no. Miles the is like, no, don't get it. No, I don't get it. Nobody. You know, I'm going to, to that music comment, I'm going to tell you, research just not too long ago, a year or two ago, was published. Rats do enjoy music. And, and <laughs> part of these, and they, selected, they selected Mozart. They were able to, to really pick out, they, they liked Lady Gaga. These, these things were measured. So they do enjoy music. But I will tell you, when I lived with them, what shocked me the most, just being there night after night, is I saw rats giving gifts to each other. They would carry a piece of food over to another rat that looked like they needed it. They would give it and walk away. And I thought it was a sheer coincidence. But now we know through good research again that rats exhibit altruism. They will give kindness. They will give gifts without expecting anything in return. As long as they've eaten. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's true. If it's not eating, it goes the other way. It's coming to eat your face and your kids. <laughs> you know, so, right. Wow. So given that, I mean, we know they're intelligent. We know that given the, uh, the resources to be clean, they're very clean animals. Um, they're very social animals. Um, anecdotally, through my goddaughter, I know they can be very affectionate animals. And you certainly seem to know, and I, and I think you have a great respect for them. So I, I wonder if, do you have any feelings about, rather than trying to eradicate them, is there another approach? Should we be learning to coexist with them in a different way? Are they beneficial to our, our cities in any way? Or is it, is it really something that they're, they're just a, a problem? Or, or, or is there another way to look at the problem? Well, it's a great question. I, I would say we can't live with them right? We don't want them living with us. I don't want them in my house. I don't want them in my school or my restaurant or on an airplane with me. You know, they're, they're a great mammal, but um, it's a problem when they co-inhabit too close. They can come out of a sewer, Jason, for example. Mm -hmm. Even though they're clean themselves, they will run through a sewer. And you can imagine what's on the sure. sewer walls in terms of pine. And then yeah. run, run across somebody's plate in a restaurant in the middle of the night. So we, we can't live close with them. But at the same time, you know, it's a great mammal. It is intelligent and it deserves, you know, respect to some degree. And what's more is the three of us here, for example, we probably owe a greater longevity of our own lives, 25, 30 years to the rats, because we've been studying them backwards, forwards, upside down for many, many years for our own medicinals, cancer drugs, painkillers, so forth. It's this species, the same species in all our cities, Philadelphia, New York and Boston and so forth. That species is the laboratory species from which we've tested all our chemicals and drugs mm. on. And we have a greater long life because of those animals. So to some degree, we have to say thanks. Yeah. So if you could convince people, and this is, think outside the box. <laughs> if you could convince New Yorkers that they'd make great pets, you start the adopt, adopt a rat around. program, get them off the street, get them in the house, <laughs> feed them, pet them, shave them, dress them up in little dresses, do whatever you got to. All of a sudden, they're off the street. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Outside the box? Yeah. Have you tried that's, that one yet? That's a little bit too far All outside right. the box. All right. All right. Um, given that uh, and, and your appreciation for them, when it comes to exterminating them, what is your recommendation? What's the most humane way to, to do that if it, if it is necessary? The most humane treatment of these rats, you guys, is not to attract them to your property in the first place. Right. So you have to kill them. So if you want to be humane to rats, don't reward them by teaching them to come to your area. Yeah. Right. And that goes for all of us, businesses, homeowners, schools, every single thing. But if they get in or if they get onto your property and it's too late and they're here and we have to do something with it, Jason, 
probably the most humane way to do that is the same way we do it in laboratories when we have to euthanize our experimental animals. You know, now we can use carbon dioxide administered into their burrow systems. And just that's what they do in laboratories. And you put these animals to sleep first mm -hmm. with carbon dioxide and they simply do not wake up. So if we have to go that route, that's the best route to go. It, but if someone has them, I mean, I've had rats in, in my attic. Um, what, is that a viable approach for home eradication? It's not the carbon dioxide. You can't yeah. go inside with it. However, if you wanted to be really humane there, yeah. Jason, you could live trap it and remove it. We have tried. Could, they are so smart. They don't go for the live traps. You can train them. Frankly, they don't go for many, many of the traps at all. They're, they're really savvy about these devices. They don't, they're, they're not attracted. They, you know, they go, I see your peanut butter. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> well, yes and no to that. And having done that so many times where, you know, if you set the trap right away, they are very, very cautious. But if you lock that trap open and you put a little trail of goodies leading to it, yeah. eventually they'll follow the trail. Eventually they'll trust that trap. Eventually you will. But it, okay. it may take four or five days. You can do it. So as far as the size, every, everybody has these reports that I've seen as a rat the size of this. The size. I'm going to hold up a picture. The guy's holding it up. And if you can see his body, this is... So that is rat, that an actual? The head is above his belt, and the legs are below his knees. It's the size <laughs> of a, a good-sized terrier. I yeah. mean, bigger, bigger than the dog. Is that actual, or that was that Mickey, Doctor? Is that real? That's real. Oy. However, it's not our city rats, so we don't have any rats to get any that's bigger. That's a capybara. <laughs> you know, that's almost there, Jason. Yeah, almost right. a capybara. But that's what's called a Gambian pouched rat. And it's from Gambia, and it's coming in on the black market. They come in as little cute pups, and then they grow up to be what you just showed there, nine-pound animals. And then they get nippy, and people release them and get rid of them. But that's not what we have. That's a whole different ballgame of a whole different animal that actually has the name rat associated with it, Gambian wow. pouched rat. But it's far separated from our city rats. If my child came to me and said, hey, Dad, we, we have interviewed a man who sets himself on fire every night at Cirque du Soleil. If I'd rather have my child say to me, I want to be that guy, Dad, than a rodentologist. What made you go? Ouch, you know ouch, what? ouch, ouch. Yeah, how did you? At what age? How, when, were you like a seven-year-old going, you know what? Got to do this. <laughs> I think I've seen the future. How did, you, how did this spark get lit? Well, I have to tell you guys and, and tell everybody, rats are super cool mammals to study. Um, they're mysterious. That's probably the thing that dragged me into this. I love the mysterious thing. I'm a, I was crazy for Sherlock Holmes. And so here's an animal that is intelligent and it keeps out of the way in the middle of the night. It, it hides in deep corners. It has a diabolical, clever behavior. And that's true. Diabolically clever. So, you know, all of that put together, I said, you know, I want to do that. I want to go into dark attics and dark sewers and look at animals that know how to do it really well in places we don't even have any light, and they do it intelligently. So once you start studying this animal, it's very humbling. You come out of that saying, my goodness, we don't know anything about this animal, but we just assume it's a stupid varmint. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah. So for me, it's exciting. It's every single day is a new day. But so, but. You know, a lot of people, I don't have, this is not one of mine, but a lot of people have a, 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 a revulsion to these animals. 
Were you never, was that never, uh, cause I'm sure you've gone to places where there, there's a huge infestation. You've never been sort of creeped out by them. I've been totally creeped out and, you know, I had no money for college. So I took a job as an exterminator in New York city, actually, to save money to get through college. And they put me in the sewers oh um, to hang poison bait. And in the sewers, my heart was racing. I, it was, I've never been in such an environment. So rats were going by my face and I was just like, what am I doing here? I got to get out of this job. So I was frightened to death, but over time and over education at the university, I realized, hey, there's a lot more to this than, than just that image of rats in front of your face. What's interesting is that the fear, the fear of rats, is that an irrational fear or just a fear? Well, you know, it's justified. It's an animal that, listen, when we slept in the caves, on the floor of the caves, over time, rats did bite people. They did kill people through diseases. We learned that these animals in our caves can kill us. So yeah, we've taken that fear a long not way. Irrational. And by the way, no. before we go, because we just want to go out on a high note, how many diseases do they carry? <laughs> <laughs> so if that's a high note, but I will tell you that the Center for Disease Control lists 55 different diseases associated with this animal, 55. The good news is on this is they don't transmit them easily to us. So they do carry them technically, but the transmission factor is kind of a weak piece. Wow. Here's one other thing I must know. What is and where is the Pest Management Hall of Fame? <laughs> I, you know, the pest management industry is one of the most essential industries of all industries, but yeah. they're behind the scenes. So those of us that are involved in teaching and training and those kinds of things with that industry, they offer awards every year as to, you know, someone that's accomplished something within the pest management industry to further that industry. And they created the Hall of Fame. It's probably located, well, it is located at a publisher, you know, that publishes magazines and books on pest control and uh -huh. nature and these kinds of things. So that's where it exists. Oh, so it's not a physical building that I can go and see Steve Plifkin who <laughs> walked in. The first guy to use a, a mallet, a mallet <laughs> on a road in 1805. And then... uh, there's no physical building, I'm assuming. There's a publisher's building and they have the plaques on the wall so uh, you can okay. technically visit it. Yep. All right. So as they, don't we have, said, they don't have stuffed Ratzilla. We were ready to go. We went to live know. broadcast from yeah. the Rat Hall of Fame. So you just wanted. By we've, the way, we've I got played read, worse places. <laughs> I got to read your quote and then ask you this final question. Your quote is rodents comprise 43% of all mammal species on earth. What's not to admire about such success in science, art, mystery, and their essential contributions. Do you feel, as we wrap and say goodbye, do you feel bad for these animals? You know, it is kind of sad, to be honest with you, that it's a paradox that because they get too close to us and can threaten our health and our buildings and this kind of thing, at the same time, there are great animals, great intelligent animals, very clever and everything we mentioned and yet we're at war with them when they move into our cities just yeah. to get easy food and easy harborage. It's a shame. Thank you, Dr. Cargan. Thank you so what a much, pleasure, sir. Man. This was an honor. Thanks for having me on. You guys are a lot of fun. And you're oh, great. It's a pleasure. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. He mentioned going into, because you brought it up, going into that as a job and wanting yeah. to do it as a kid. I have some jobs. I looked up jobs today the kids want to be. It used to be they want to be astronauts, isn't that? But did your parents, because my parents were always, get a civil service job. My, my dad was a don't be an idiot there. You know, he'd say, hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I'd say, I want to be this. And he'd go, don't be an idiot. Right. Don't be an idiot. He wasn't very supportive. Did your parents do the my, old civil my service mother, job? No, no, no. My mother was a nurse and a nurse educator. She wanted me to go into... Uh, I think she would have loved if I was a surgeon. She wanted me to be a doctor. My father was very specific. My cousin Ronnie was an orthodontist. Did very well. Very well. And he wanted, my father really wanted me to be an orthodontist. Now, I had nine years of braces. Let me tell you, orthodontia was the last thing I was going to So you want to hear the jobs? Now, I would happen to believe that rodentologist or pest management could be one. I don't think kids are aspiring to it, but that could be a pretty good job for the. I don't know that you want to do. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 God bless them, but I don't know that you sure. want to do that job. So, do you know what jobs kids want to do today? It's really interesting. I would imagine up- some sort of um, uh, like a, a hacking, like a, a white hat or black hat hacker. So, here's this is ages seven to 12. 7 to 12. 
almost 30% want to be vloggers. Vloggers. God, is that like an influencer? A 26% teachers teacher. still want to be By the way, can we please do a show on influencers? Because I want to I want to know. Only if we can have the world's biggest influencer is. on because when you see how hard they work, it's beyond insanity. I, I want to understand okay, it. All right. I do. I want to understand it. Because we, no we have no influence. We have no influence. What's the opposite of an influencer? Yeah. Us. Okay. So uh, shut up, Guggenheim. Guggenheim's not on yet, but he's laughing. Yeah, I'm ready. The opposite and of a an very influencer. very condescending laugh, by the way, which means to talk, talk down, down to. Yeah. Um, 26% of teachers don't want to be teachers. Uh, well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, 23% want to be professional athletes. Yeah, sure. 19%, let's see here, uh, assistant managers. 19% want to be musicians. Musicians. Oh, okay. And then some, something to management, which is really weird. But it's changed. It used Damn. to be astronauts. Also, by country, it's a little bit different. Let's go to Mr. Google. Mr. Guggenheim, <laughs> what did we learn today, by gosh? Well, we learned a lot about rats today. One thing I wanted to point out that uh, we weren't able to come up to the, with the answer, what is the name of the limbo song? Uh, of course, uh, Peter thought it was tequila. <laughs> but oh, I know the, the, but the tune is dun, 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 dun. Dun 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 that's dun baby dun shark. No, 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 no. That, that's it. That's a limbo song. We just paid a lot of money for this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think us. that one might be out of. It's been been around for a while. It's actually called the limbo song. Oh so. sure. By the way, may I say, Guggenheim, one thing Wait, was he it got written for the for that experience yeah it was it was bad it was like you could go back like chubby checker did it so i believe it was just one of those wow. dances that they used to do and it just was, a, it was really the thing i gotta mention uh mr guggenheim you got a thing in your forehead that you want to maybe wipe off i, I got a thing, it's a thing. It's a, really yeah, there you oh, go you got, gone. Yeah, you got it you it's, gone. Gone. it's gone i got yeah. oh my god i think it was oh a god. little raptor to tell you the truth <laughs> <laughs> Keeping we didn't even theme. mention <laughs> keeping on theme. We didn't mention it that is. rats can hold their own urine. They hold they can hold their urine. They can be trained if they're pets to hold their urine. How about that? That's just, that's just an aside. God, thank God. Well, actually, that that's sort of what I wanted to wanted to get into. Uh, rats as pets. I mean, Jason, you would sort of mention that. Uh, yeah, my, that, my that you uh, know goddaughter. Some, yeah. Yeah, that uh, rats as pets. Uh, scientists say that rats are in fact smarter than dogs. Yeah. And so my my question for you is like, do you think that rats in the United States are in the top ten most kept pets in the United States? Um What do you say? Well, so the uh, the dog cats, uh, I know ferrets have gotten very big bunnies. pigs, bunnies, snakes, guinea pigs, snakes. snakes and reptiles, turtles, birds, fish. I, I would say they uh, my guess would be they're in the top ten. And I would say they just missed the top mm. ten. Uh, uh, you both are incorrect. It's actually number eighteen uh, in the list. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah, there's uh, about four hundred thousand household families have rats as as pets. Can I ask you a question, David? <laughs> yeah. How, how is there a census on that? How do they know? How do they know? Is there a place where a kid goes, "Hey, we have rats"? <laughs> On purpose. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes. Well, they keep them in cages, so they re they're able to distinguish between the ones in the cage and the ones in the in the attic. If I go to to a pet store and I buy yeah. a cage, 
Do they know if it's from my rat or my gerbil or my well, hamster? Where'd you get How the do rat? They know? Where'd you get the rat? Well, there's there's a, an association called the American Pet Products Association. Yeah. Um, and they 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 do a survey, so I, I oh, they trust do them. Uh, you know what, Jay? Okay. Trust them to be plus or minus. Up. Um, what else you got? What else you got going? <laughs> that, that's it. That's it. Everything else was. Gosh, you guys were very accurate. All right. Let's turn it over to announcer Noah and let's get the heck out of here. And it's enough it's, already. It's, it's, it's enough it's, already. Yeah, really. See ya. All right. No, really. Another episode of Really No Really comes to a close. You're probably wondering what the clinical condition for rodent phobia is called. Well, I'll tell you in just a moment, but first let's thank our guest rodentologist, Dr. Bobby Corrigan. You can follow Dr. Corrigan on X at Rodentologist. And you can find us online at reallynoreally.com. We hang out on Instagram, TikTok, and threads at Really No Really Podcast. Please check out our full episodes on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and tick that bell so you're updated when we release new videos every Tuesday. If you have a really, let us know at reallyknowreally.com, and if we use it, we will send you something wonderful. At least, we think it's wonderful, you may disagree. And thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing the show. Follow us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, the extreme phobic fear of rodents is called musophobia. Sounds more like a fear of a moose, I know. It's treated in humans with desensitization and or hypnosis. Really No Really is a production of iHeartRadio and Blase Entertainment. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.